Hello, everyone. Well, it's good to be uh, in the sanctuary right now with uh, just a handful of awesome people. Um, but, you know, when I was worshiping, as Chris was just leading us in, in worship, I was I just couldn't help but to, to remember uh, some of the times of this place being packed you know, with 200, we've had actually 300 people in this space at times, and uh, the presence of God just being poured out, and uh, for some reason, the first person that came to my mind was Mike Hoyle, you know, thinking about Mike Hoyle in the front row, you know, doing this jump, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about, like, Greg and Sue way in the back, you know, just in the zone, in their quiet, like, deep worship zone, or Rose, in the front, just, you know, who can't even get through the songs because she's crying so much. It's just so, it's such a beautiful thing to, uh, to worship the Lord uh, together. And so we'll get there. We'll get there soon. Uh, you know, for now, we're doing these online services and praise God for it, that you can uh, be in your living room this morning or wherever you are in your car or in your bed still. It doesn't matter, but that we can be together in the spirit and we can uh, worship together and we can hear the word together. So I'm excited to get into the word. I'm just going to give you a few uh, pieces of information, kind of reminders uh, before I do, because um, these are important. Uh, the first is uh, the Advent gathering on Tuesday, a couple of days from now. That'll be our last of the four Advent gatherings. And this one will be on the theme of love. And they run from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Uh, again, through Zoom, you know, we do that gathering. Uh, last Tuesday was awesome. I uh, really felt the presence of God through it. It was amazing. Um, so just invite you to be a part of that. Um, if you got the newsletter, hopefully you're on the newsletter. If you're not, go to the website and subscribe. That's mainly how we do our communication in this church is through the pretty much weekly newsletter. Um, and it'll have Zoom links and different information like that. Um, also, this Thursday is uh, Christmas Eve. And so uh, we're going to do a Christmas Eve service online, just like we do on Sunday mornings. It'll be a little earlier, 6 o'clock to 7. Um, about, I think about an hour, maybe a little bit longer than an hour. We'll see how it goes. We don't want to be too, too structured, but we're going to keep it tight. But it's going to be mainly songs. Um, you're going to hear a little update about our Christmas City Love Project. And then we'll preach the gospel. Uh, kind of a shorter message, of course, because um, it's a shorter service. Uh, so I hope you'll join us for that. And this would be a great opportunity to you know, send the link to a friend or to family members and um, have them join some of the songs at Christmas time and hear the gospel. Um, also, just a reminder, too, that December 27th, uh, the last Sunday of the year, it's kind of been a tradition in recent years that we wouldn't have service at all. Uh, so we won't be having service that day just to give our staff and our production team and other volunteers a break. Um, you will hear from me on that day if you are subscribed to the newsletter. I'm going to be sending out um, an invitation to you on that day that will talk about the 100 days of pursuit. I've mentioned it a few times in the newsletters, but what we're going to do is the first 100 days of 2021, 
January 1st to April 10th, we're going to make a special effort to go hard after God. And I'm just inviting you to uh, join me in this. Uh, I'm excited to do it. And I'm not really putting any particular structure on it in terms of like, you know, you have to fast or you have to pray this many hours a day or do this. I'm going to make suggestions throughout the 100 days, but it's really kind of between you and the Lord what you want to do. Maybe you want to put aside some TV or put aside some other distractions or just, you know, maybe put aside food, do some fasting or whatever. But we're going to we're going to turn the the dark, cold, dreary winter months into something spectacular. We're going to go hard after God. So I'll be sending out an email um, inviting you to be a part of that. And partly I need you to um, kind of join this uh, initiative because those who join, I'm going to send an email out every single day um, during those 100 days, God willing, Uh, as long as I'm not sick or whatever, we'll see. But that's my goal is to send out an email every day with resources and with suggestions and with reflections and with just whatever I can find or whatever comes into my heart that can uh, strengthen you and kind of fuel you, motivate you in your pursuit of God. Uh, so that, that'll be my Christmas gift to those who are um, hungry for the Lord. Uh, so, again, make sure you get on the newsletter if you're kind of newer to our community, or maybe you're not so new, but you don't get any emails. Uh, definitely subscribe. Go to the website and subscribe to the newsletter uh, so you can just kind of be in the know about all the different things that we're, we're doing. All right, well, thanks. I just wanted to, you know, kind of get through uh, some of that information. But I'm excited to uh, preach this word this morning and uh, just kind of end this 2020 year on a kind of a happy note, a joyful note. This message is a fun one. I'm excited to preach it, and I hope you'll be uh, stirred by it and, and blessed by it. And I, yeah, I just pray that it would just stir your heart today. Well, we're staying with the book of Ephesians. We've been going through it for most of the year. And we're going to look at just one verse today. It's essentially a continuation from the previous verse that we talked about last week. Actually, the last couple of weeks. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then this verse that we're going to look at today, it says, addressing one another. So be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, which is what we just finished doing. And we're going to go back um, after this sermon, we're going to do a few more songs of worship, which I'm excited to kind of put this message right into practice. Well, singing is primal to humans. Uh, going back to some of the earliest humans we know of, Genesis 4 says there was a guy named Jubal, and he was the father of all who played the lyre, which was kind of a stringed instrument, and pipe. Then it says Zillah also bore Tubal Cain, I love these names, and he was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. I'm so curious how the first attempts of music were inspired. 
right? Like, who's the first person that kind of came up with the idea of music? It may have been someone listening to the birds and trying to imitate bird songs. Or maybe someone who was aware of their heartbeat and tried to echo that in some kind of rhythm. Or maybe God shared with Adam some of his music in the cool of the day when they conversed. Who knows? But we do know early on in civilization, people were creating music, and it soon became a huge part of all cultures everywhere on the earth in every generation. Music is such a, an awesome gift from God. All through the Bible, you find psalms and hymns and songs. Music ascended to glorious heights through King David's influence. David was a, a harp player and wrote most of the psalms. Jesus sang hymns with the disciples. The disciples instructed the churches in the first century to sing and how to sing. And for 2,000 years, churches, no matter where they're located, all around the world, even in remote places, in just all different kinds of styles, you find singing to draw close to God. So many of the Psalms talk about singing. Uh, they say things like this, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us, let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Sing to the Lord a new song. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre and with a sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Make a joyful noise before the king. Come into his presence with singing. It is good to sing praises to the Lord for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. That is just a taste. There are so many exhortations in the Bible to sing to God. Heaven is a place described as a place of singing. Uh, there are songs in the air and new songs bursting forth continuously. And future glory, this is just my opinion, I think we'll all play instruments and we'll all be able to sing. Maybe not. I think we will. But imagine what music will be like in eternity. Imagine even just, you know, a handful of musicians playing together and creating together and, you know, just the fullness of God's love and, and, and just making music together for thousands of years, millions of years, trillions of years. I mean, what's, a, what's it going to sound like when we hear the kind of music that God plays who has no beginning? I mean, kind of blows your mind. It's fun to think about. Can't wait to hear the music in heaven. But back to Ephesians 5.19. It's not clear if this verse is telling us what we need to do when we're filled or what we should do to stay continuously filled. I, th I think it's, it's both, really. And it's also one of the basic ways we move from emptiness to being filled. 
Many people, in fact, have been born of the Spirit just through singing. You know, they were invited to church, and they really didn't know much about God, but they somehow something happened when they were singing, and they began to uh, just believe what they were singing, and the Spirit filled them, and Christ became real to them. That happens. I think personally that some of the greatest encounters I've had with God have been kindled by music. In fact, it started with music uh, with me. I was thinking about this, how you know, the, all the, the, this Christian stuff was kind of new to me, and I had a couple Christian friends, and they uh, were kind of showing me how they worshipped. And, and, and so they brought their guitars out, and I was a guitar player. And so we all kind of had these acoustic guitars playing, and, and one of them opened up the book of Psalms. I remember it was Psalm 77, and uh, we all began, well, they began to sing, and I, I was a little, I don't, I don't know the Lord at this point. I, I'm I don't really know how to sing either. So I was, was kind of hesitant to do it, but I kind of joined in with it um, sheepishly. And about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes into this song that they were making up out of Psalm 77, I just began to be absolutely flooded with the presence of God. And it was the first time I felt God's presence in my life. I was 21 years old. I remember as a new Christian with uh, these friends, um, I became a Christian the next day, actually, after I had that touch of God's presence. Um, I'll tell you about that on another day. But in that first uh, year, I remember we would go out to this trestle. There was just these train tracks that went, went over a body of water in Western Mass. And we would just kind of go out there at nighttime, the warmer uh, nights, and just sit under the stars. And we would just play guitar. You know, we'd play a couple chords and, and just sing prayers to God. And God would pour out his love upon us. I remember even as um, a new Christian, I would had this little, uh, I think, classical nylon stringed guitar. And I would just sit in my apartment and I would play like two chords as long as I could until my hands started hurting and I would just would just sing these prayers to God you know just maybe certain phrases over and over just kind of longing for God and I remember so many times the just the presence of God would just come down and and surround me there's something so powerful about music so many times during worship gatherings through the years or in my personal prayer times, I've just been melted to tears by, somehow by music. Music just kind of opens you up to a vision of God. And sometimes our heart is just humbled or washed. You know, I, I was really into music even before I became a Christian, but it never had that kind of effect on me. When someone born of the Spirit engages with music that is born of the Spirit, something supernatural happens. Well, Paul says in, in the verse, again, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What is he talking about? Um, in, in our day, I think, you know, we have an idea immediately, right? Because these words are familiar if you've been a Christian for any period of time. 
in our minds of what psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are, right? I think, you know, to us, a psalm means, you know, one of the 150 psalms in the Bible, the book of Psalms. Or a hymn to us is a theologically rich song from a hymn book, you know, probably written in the 1700s or 1800s. Spiritual songs, I guess we might classify as pop worship music, you know, what you'd hear on K-Love Radio or maybe Hillsong or Elevation Church or something like that. But is that really what Paul, who wrote this, had in mind when he wrote this verse? More likely, he had in mind something more personal, perhaps more extemporaneous even. Remember, there was no Christian hymn book yet, and they didn't have Christian radio. I believe many in the community were probably writing fresh songs, new songs, hymns. When they would come together, Paul said in Corinthians 14, 26, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So everybody, the, the church, I mean, you're talking about, right, 3,000 people were saved in one day on the birth of the church. And then shortly after, there was 5,000, and then there's several more thousand, and all these different verses in the book of Acts that say that, and the word of God spread, and the disciples increased in number. I mean, you're talking about probably tens of thousands of people in a very short period of time, uh, really within a few years, that came to Christ. And so of them, imagine how many of them were musicians or, uh, you know, just writers. And, and they began to put their creativity to work. And when people were coming together, it was kind of like a, they were bringing something to the table. Each person was bringing something and kind of like a spiritual potluck. And it was a symphony of expressions orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. I think, you know, our Advent gathering last Tuesday was a little like that. There, you know, one shared a, just a passionate prayer. One was weeping and one was joyful. One shared a scripture and one shared a spoken word piece. And uh, one shared reflections out of their journal. And it was just, it was a really beautiful, beautiful time. But music is dynamic in the way it can expand our vision of God and awaken us, awaken us to the nearness of God. We kind of realize that he's surrounding us, he's in us. It's said that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Songs can become a kind of space where we commune with God. It's a place where we connect with God. This is one of the most basic and easy ways to be filled with the Spirit. The posture of humble worship puts us in the perfect position to receive, right? Because we know the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. We are called to abide in Christ always, right? The Bible teaches that and, and to pray without ceasing. I mean, this is a great challenge, but psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs can help us to do that. They can fill gaps during our days, especially when our hearts are tempted just to wander, right? The, the, the mind just goes in different places. We get distracted, but songs can kind of pull us in and focus us 
Or sometimes, I don't know about you, but I just don't know what to say to God. I don't have any more words, or I just, you know, spend all my words in, in, in seven minutes, and I don't have much. Just certain days, my mind, or my mind is a bit bland. But music can help. It can kind of speak the language of our heart. It's, it's, it's like we're able to just kind of perch on a window and just gaze out onto the Lord. It's a great tool that God has given to us. So that's Paul's simple word here in this verse, Ephesians 19. Sing, be filled and sing. Sing until you're filled. When we sing to the Lord with all of our heart, it's one of the ways we experience what Paul spoke of in 2 Corinthians 3.18. When he said, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this is what happens when we engage in music. We behold the glory of the Lord. In other words, we're setting our minds on his goodness, on his grace, on his power, on his nearness, on his wisdom, his works, his majesty, just all that God is. We're kind of seeing it with the eyes of our heart. And as we do this, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, helps us to make these things real. The Spirit of God illuminates the ideas we are singing about and unveils a vision of Christ. And we're changed through this experience. And further, as we posture ourselves humbly and set our gaze on Christ and sing with our heart, the Spirit himself begins to flow out of us. Rivers of living water, right? John chapter 7. There's a mystery to this, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, listen, infuses into our hearts His love and affection for the Son. Because we know that the love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity is a burning love, a passionate, affectionate, fiery love. And so it's like we just, we kind of participate in that in some mysterious way. And we find ourselves loving and adoring Christ, not merely with our best human passion, but with the passion of the Holy Spirit. Think about this verse from Romans 8.26. It teaches just this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. This is in John 14, 26. And we'll, he, he, he kind of bears witness about Jesus to our hearts. That's John 15, 26. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is not an indwelling teacher of dry boring lectures. Think about that. He enables us to understand the depths of God. It says that in 1 Corinthians 2.10. Now, it's a sad fact that many people 
who attend church do not engage in the worship as they ought. You know, they listen to the music as they would a concert, or, or maybe even worse, maybe they're not even paying attention. Their mind is somewhere else. They watch the musicians, maybe they watch the crowd, they critique the music, but they do not enter into a posture of humility, and they do not commune with God. They do not make the songs personal, and they get nothing spiritual from it. And God gets nothing as well. Because even the most spiritual worship does not magically make us spiritual by hearing it. We must give spiritual effort to aligning our hearts with it. We must, you know, it's, it's, it's quite possible to be amidst music that is angelic. I mean, just the greatest music you'd ever heard. But we can be just in another place, tuned out. Or as Isaiah spoke of, praising with our lips, but having our hearts far from him. And I want to stress this point because it's so important that our hearts are right before God when we engage with worship. If the heart is not right with God, it's, the music is just music. It just stays on the ground. It doesn't go anywhere. But if the heart is right, the music opens a window into eternity. It ushers us into the heart of God. It gives language to our groanings. And it's a gift that changes us. It's interesting. I've noticed in my own life how quickly worship music becomes utterly bland when our hearts are not right. It's kind of a telling thing. I know sometimes we can be, our hearts can be right, but we can be sort of in a dry place. And I know this is nuanced. It can get a little complicated, but that's a thing too. But it's just interesting how worship music loses, it just loses its draw for us when our hearts are not right. It's one of the ways we can assess our hearts. But Paul tells us to sing and make melody in these specific ways. He uses two phrases, to the Lord and with our heart. Just to read the verse again. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And this is really the secret to using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in such a way that fills us with the Spirit. There's actually no benefit whatsoever of singing worship songs unless these conditions be met. I mean, one speaks of focusing to the Lord, right? We should be singing to the Lord. We're not singing to, uh, you know, whatever, to ourselves. We're not singing to, I mean, we are in a way singing. We're together and we're kind of encouraging each other through the songs, absolutely. But primarily, we're singing these songs to God. That's important. And also, they must be from the heart. And that speaks to the authenticity of our hearts. The Lord makes it clear in Scripture that he takes no pleasure in the, in the noise of our songs and the melody of our harps if our heart hearts are not right before him. And I could 
lead you into many verses of Scripture that talk about that. Amos 5, Isaiah 1, for example. There must be this honesty in, in the way we approach God. We don't have to be perfect, but we have to be open and honest and, and just right before him. Um, if worship is done without an honesty of heart regarding sin, it will not result in the filling of the Spirit. But it could actually result in grieving the Spirit. Um, to sing songs with no intention of obeying God and doing His will is not something the Lord takes lightly. Um, so we, we, we never want to do this. This is a sacred thing that we do. And every time we do it, even if you're, if you're tired, it's okay to be tired. Jesus was tired. He slept on the boat. I love that story. You know, it's okay. To, it's human to be tired. It's okay, you know. But we should always keep a sense of this is a reverent thing, you know. I think about Ecclesiastes 5. You know, let your words be few. Like when you come before God, there's a, there's a sense of awe and reverence to this thing. We're singing to the King of glory, to the God of the universe. And... Uh, <clears throat> was a consuming fire, you know, so we should come with a sense of like softness, you know, like when, when the burning bush, Moses was before the burning bush, you know, God said, take off your shoes. The ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Um, there's something holy about entering into worship music. It should never be done thoughtlessly um, or flippantly. I think of the the Psalm 24 that says, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? That, you could almost think of that as like a worship encounter. You know, you're entering into a time of drawing close to God and worshiping him. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. But when the heart is right with God, our focus is God. Our worship becomes pleasing to the Lord. Again, it's not that we're perfect. No, nobody's perfect. We, we, we come before him only because of Jesus and because of the blood of Christ and his grace. You know, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So it's not because we're so good. We had such a good week. Uh, we really behaved well. And so now we can enter into the presence of the Lord on Sunday. No, it's not that. Like, we, we miss the mark every day, and, but there's an honesty and a rightness that we come. And when we come in that spirit, it's, it's a fragrance to God. He loves to hear our songs. It's acceptable worship, uh, as Hebrews 12, 28 says. When we use psalms, hymns, and songs the right way, they push us into the waters of the Spirit, and they carry us into the heights of God. The words we sing become a revelation of the glory of God. And the posture of the song kind of becomes our posture. The Psalms become our prayers, and the songs become our songs. They work in filling us when we make them our own, when we give ourselves to joining with the song and the Spirit in which the song was sung. It, a side note, it's why some music can have a greater effect 
upon our hearts than other music, right? When the singers and musicians are gazing on the glory of God with humility and hearts are burning as they sing, it, it sort of comes through. And it becomes for us a posture that we can mesh into. There's a way to listen to worship songs that is different from the way we listen to songs as entertainment. If we were at a wedding, for example, you know, listening to the band, we would we just, you know, listen to the rhythm, kind of checking out the musical intricacies, what he's playing on the electric guitar. I'd be looking at that. Maybe we were, you know, kind of judging their stage presence. And, uh, but with worship, all of that is secondary. We're, we're not really, that's not the focus. Music itself is not the focus. The music is just more of a pointer, a guide. It's more of a window that we're looking through. We look beyond the music and the musicians, and we behold the glory of the Lord. And the beautiful thing about this is we can incorporate worship into so much of our daily lives. Really, we can, right? We can fill our cars with it. We can, we can put music on while we're doing dishes or folding laundry or while, maybe when we're exercising or going for a bike ride. We can just surround our lives with spiritual music that can affect our hearts in a very powerful way. You know, I think sometimes we just neglect the tools that we've been given to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, things like just basics, like fasting, things that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. Fasting, you know, immersing yourself in the Word of God, spending time in prayer, just getting alone and crying out to God, and singing. Singing is definitely one of these great tools, these simple tools that God has given us. But we neglect these tools sometimes, and then we wonder why we don't feel close to God. <laughs> you know, we need to use the tools that God has given to us. It's not enough to have the tools, but we need to use them and use them well. Engage with them heartily, with, with a certain exertion. I mean, it's, it's not so different from how we interact with uh, a sport or even a musical instrument or whatever. It's a natural principle. We get out of it what we put into it, right? As someone says, or as we say. A lame effort practicing the violin will never result in becoming an accomplished violinist. It doesn't work that way. And a lame effort in worship just doesn't carry us into the fullness of God. It just doesn't. Uh, God says in his word, seek me with all of your heart and you will find me. Two of the common challenges of developing a deep prayer life that I frequently hear from people are just the struggle to, to focus on God, who's invisible, right? <laughs> and also just the, the, the struggle to be still before God. You know, it's just, we're, we're restless. I've got to, I've got to do something. But music is just such a help with both of these challenges because music has a way of slowing us down and we kind of get in sync with the tempo and we just get into the moment and the lyrical content of the singer we just kind of grab onto their coattails and we're just kind of able to focus on, on the Lord and, and we kind of Okay, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm just, I'm just worshiping the Lord. And we're singing these simple songs to God. And wow, 
What a tool God has given us to help us draw near to him. So I ask the question, have you made psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs a part of your life? How engaged are you in congregational worship? Are you just passively listening and just kind of, you know, gazing at the musicians? This is even harder, right, during the pandemic because you're like watching a TV and we we just kind of get into entertainment mode. But I encourage you, you know, uh, you know, when, when Chris is playing or Dan or whoever's playing, just, I mean, you know, we try to make it look good and make the lighting good and all that, but just close your eyes, you know, just let the music, don't, it's not about, we're not trying to create a polished uh, concert production for your entertainment on Sunday morning. We're, we want you to just look beyond it to God. And that's really the heart behind. I know the musicians want, want you to do that. They want you to experience God, not be impressed by their musicianship. I ask this question, too. When you put on music, do you usually reach for secular music? Now, I want to be careful because I don't want to be too rigid. I think there are times to uh, play some secular music. Uh, For example, while studying, um, worship music is not helpful if you're trying to concentrate and trying to study or trying to stay awake while driving. I mean, sometimes I'm so tired, I'll pull, I'm trying to pull from like stuff from the 80s, like Devo or just anything that will just get me going and get my, get my blood pumping or something like that, just so I don't crash. But I like playing blues guitar um, just as a fun recreational thing. And sometimes I listen to blues guitarists, maybe B.B. King or whatever, all the different old guys who are just amazing at blues just to get some inspiration. And I see God's glory in that. I'm not saying we need to destroy all of our uh, secular albums and CDs, though I did that in 1989 because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And uh, and then I really regretted it, you know, a short while after. But I was a little zealot. But I'm just asking this question. Do we make singing to God a part of our lifestyle? Or is it just something we do on Sundays? Or is it part of our daily routine? Do we fill our homes with worship during the Christmas season? Or do we just feed on Frosty the Snowman and Santa Baby, Jingle Bells? Again, I'm not saying we should only listen to worship music. There are times for all kinds of different fun music that the Lord has kind of given us to to enjoy. But deep worship should dominate the airwaves of our lives. So what does this lifestyle of singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs look like? I think minimally it just looks like when we come together in big groups or small groups, we, we sing, you know, we worship the Lord together, and we do that. But there are other ways to, to use the tool of music to be filled with the Spirit. If you are a singer uh, or guitar player or piano player, just maybe you have never done this. Find a quiet place, find a stairwell or someplace, and just try singing some prayers to God. Don't worry about how it sounds. I mean, when I did it, and even I do it still once in a while, 
it's not pretty. You're not doing it for anyone. Nobody wants to listen to it, maybe. But it's something that can, God wants to listen to it. And, and it, can, it can really uh, drench your heart. Now, for those not musically inclined in, in any way, um, I would encourage searching for music that has a certain passion to it. All right? Be selective. It's just a fact that there's, well, there's a lot of music out there that's supposedly Christian, and not all of it is great. I don't want to be too snobby, but it's not that I'm being snobby. It's like there's even music that is, has intellectual depth or even has very interesting musicality to it. But it, it kind of feels like the, 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 the artists aren't really close to the Lord. And you, you kind of feel that, right? I mean, isn't it the same with preaching? You can hear a sermon and uh, it's, wow, it's like biblical. It's, this is really true. It's accurate. But it, it, it just lacks passion or something. You just kind of know that this person doesn't really maybe have a deep prayer life or isn't real close with the Lord. You, it, God has given us that discernment. You can kind of feel the heart behind uh, the artist or the preacher. So be selective. Search for music created by artists who are filled with the Spirit and have a you know, certain burning flame of worship within them. Search for authenticity and affection for Christ as opposed to just going for our favorite style. Though there, there's so much Christian music now. It's come a long way since my wife and I were new Christians in 1989, and there was slim pickings back then. It was like Michael Card, Keith Green, and Striper. Uh, so, well, there was a few other ones too, but it really wasn't a lot. But now, if you you got to kind of hunt for it, but there's just so much good music out there. Some of the uh, music I've been recently exploring is this. If maybe you want to try some of these, Audrey Assad, wow, so good. Uh, Page one sixteen, United Pursuit, Poor Bishop Harper, whoa. Awesome, interesting music. Maverick City Worship. Whew. These guys just get in the zone and just go there. It's so good. All sons and daughters, I just can't get enough of them. They're so good, so filled with God's love. Liz Vice is another one that came across lately that i just kind of been feasting on really good. Young Oceans and Loud Harp, both very similar. Uh, just I love those guys. I've loved them for a long time. Uh, John Guerra. Uh, who's, I think, relatively new, but or maybe new kind of coming on the scene, but really thoughtful, interesting music. Future of Forestry um, has some pretty different kind of Christ- Christmas music. Josh Garrels, uh, Josh White, uh, just good, solid stuff. River, Rivers and Robots, awesome. Last night, I think about one in the morning, I'm having my wife listen to uh, Andre Crouch, which I don't even know how it came into my mind. We were listening to like, the Vienna Boys Choir and Handel's Messiah. And then, I, I don't know, one thing leads to another in your iTunes music thing. And uh, then I, Andre Crouch came to mind. Or I was listening to Love Song, an old Jesus movement band. And then that reminded me of Andre Crouch. And we were, uh, it wasn't helping us to sleep, that, that's for sure. But it reminded, reminded us of our first church. 
And then I always tend to fall back on Hillsong. I just, I like Hillsong. The slower Hillsong music is really beautiful. But Hebrews 22.2 says, We have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Festal implies joy, right? James 5 says, if anyone's happy, let them sing. This is what we do. We sing. Sing happens when we feel happy. Kids sing, right? Kids make up songs. They just run around the house and just make up songs, even before they even know actual words, right? Little babies kind of coo and do these little melodic things. They sound like little birds because it's a very human thing to sing when our hearts are elated. But what about when we aren't feeling joyful. Because this message is great, right? You know, if we're feeling happy, but what if we're feeling sorrow? 2020 has been a difficult year for everyone. Well, we should still sing. David is a wonderful, King David is a wonderful example of this as he often sang and played harp in the worst situations. Because singing would put his focus on the Lord and not his present circumstances. In this way, singing becomes a a kind of weapon of warfare against discouragement. It enables us to kind of rise above the afflictions. And, you know, we just sing these songs to the Lord and, and we just kind of sing under the shadow of his wing and it's not that we forget about our trials, but we're not focused on them. It's almost like singing makes God enlarged in our heart. And the trial that we're going through feels smaller, if that makes sense. So sing to the Lord, sing of his greatness, gaze upon his beauty, behold his majesty. Look upon his glorious face. This is what the prophet Habakkuk does. Uh, At the end of Habakkuk, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And the last line of Habakkuk says, to the choir master with stringed instruments. It was meant to be sung. Now my last uh, few thoughts. One, This is kind of a pastoral poke, I call it. When we are in the congregation, or I should say, when we come back to all of us being here in the congregation singing, I want to encourage us not to just be in a contemplative mode. I know we have that reputation at Renaissance Church for being very, uh, you know, deep thinking, and we're just like quiet souls. And it's okay to be quiet, but uh, it's not time for musing on theological tensions or, you know, self-reflection. The focus should be God. You know, our posture should be passionate in heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not just mind, but just like some exertion that you're wholeheartedly worshiping God. I mean, imagine if I sang, 
a song for my wife, but sang it drearily and without heart. Or I'm singing, but I'm thinking about lunch. Come on. You know, these, these are love songs that we're singing to God. I pray that our singing would have heart and sort of like a, like a punch to it. You know, just give yourself to worship when you worship. Don't worship flippantly. Don't worship just in going through the motion mechanically, half-hearted. Like whatever, just give the best you can. If you're tired, it's okay. Give the best you got. Worship is all about that. In its essence, worship means giving your best. That is worship. And that's why, you know, we give our best and we live lives of worship. Our lives are living, animated worship. We want every aspect of our life to be giving our best to God. We don't want to give half a heart in any area. And I pray that you would sing the way you would sing if you were the only one singing and God was the only one listening. So this is my simple encouragement to you today. Sing, sing, sing to the Lord. Sing in a way that's fitting of his worth. Sing like the angels. Don't sing in a way that you are just getting through it. Don't sing mindlessly. Fill your life with songs, good songs, anointed songs, theologically rich songs. May we sing with choirs of angels who are singing in exaltation. May we sing in the morning and sing in the evening on good days and on bad days. And this Christmas, this is Christmas week, may we fill our homes and hearts with Christmas hymns. Amen.